Well, morning, guys. How are you? Yeah. Good. Well, hey, congratulations. You have survived Romans 9, 10, and 11. Well done. And so early in the semester, Derek sent me a sent me an, an email, and he said, hey, Kyle, here's a couple of chapters. Which one do you want? And, uh, and I, I couldn't remember if it was 9 or 10 or 11, but I, and then 12 was the other option. And I said, let's go. Let's do 12. I'll take 12. And we left Jason, who did a great job last week with chapter 11, to do chapter 11. So uh, the great thing about what happens now is the first three chapters in Romans uh, God explains sin and its universalness that we all have it. Four through eight, he talks through just his salvation plan for all of mankind and how to step into a relationship with Christ. And nine through 11 is really just a lesson on God's sovereignty. And so he basically, Paul asked the question, what about Israel? What about those guys? And so Jason did a great job last week. There were two things I wanted to remind you about kind of that 9 through 11 chapters. One is that God's not given up on Israel, and therefore he hasn't given up on us, right? And the second thing is that Paul doesn't, or our past doesn't define us when God owns us. That's true with Israel, and that's true with us. And so we walk through sin and salvation and God's sovereignty. And chapter 12 through 16 hits us, and it's really typical of Paul. Now he says, hey, how are we to act? How are we to behave? And so that's what we're going to talk about. Like you guys that like that nitty-gritty, practical, how do you get this stuff done? That's where we are in the book of Romans. And we're going to start in um, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And just to give you a little bit, um, Derek did a great job in the curriculum kind of uh, laying this out, dedication to God, diversity of the gifts, and the design of love. And so we're going to talk about that first part, the dedication to God in verses uh, chapter 12, 1 and 2. And so um, this is an incredibly familiar verse. And so if you're not familiar with Romans 12, 1 and 2, I would just tell you I've used it more probably than any other set of verses in my own life to help me walk with God and I've also probably used this verse more in counseling as I'm talking to other people about, hey, how, how, how do I live? How do I walk with God? And it says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you haven't locked it in, head and heart, it's critical. Because basically what's happening in chapter 12 is Paul switching now, as we said, to behavior. And he's saying, hey, this is how you be a part of my church. Okay? And we're going to talk about three different areas today as Derek lined it out in the curriculum. How do you be how do you be a part of God's universal church? How do you be a part of God's local church, Watermark Plano, to make it really practical? And the first thing he says is that you have to live as a living sacrifice. Okay, and he said, just let's talk about what that means for a minute. Right, Paul says, hey, I want to teach you guys how to behave. I want to teach you guys how to be part of my church. And the first thing he says in these first two verses is you need to live as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? 
And it basically means that you're going to walk through your days and weeks and months and years with your hands, palms lifted up, saying, God, I'm yours. I am going to do whatever you want me to do. And so what I think about is I think about the term. For me, that term is yieldedness. Right, the New Testament talks about it in other words. John 15, he talks about abide, remain, dwell, like you're connected to the vine. Uh, Paul talks about being in Christ. Paul talks about pray without ceasing. But this, this whole idea that we are to walk through our days completely 100% yielded to God. And one of the pictures I have in my head is I'm supposed to live on an altar, right? I'm just supposed to live there, but I want to crawl off all the time, right? And I want to do my own thing. It's why every single week we say to you, have a great week of worship, right? Worship doesn't mean musical worship. This is your spiritual service of worship. And when we say have a great week of worship at the end of every week, what we're talking about is go walk moment by moment with Jesus, Walk in a way that you're yielded to him. Think about yield. I'm trying to give you some pictures. As you yield onto a highway, onto a freeway, okay, you're still moving as the car as you're going. So you're in action, okay, but as you start moving into the freeway, you're looking for places to yield, okay, to move into traffic that's already moving at 65, 70, or 95, whatever it is, right? And so you're yielding, you're giving God the right of way so that you can move right in with him and join him in the activity that he's doing. And so the term, how do I live like that? And so I hope that as we read this, as we go through 12 through 16, you're going to become, say, hey, what percentage of my day am I living yielded? Or I, am I a living sacrifice or am I abiding? And so your question, hey, how in the world do we do that? Okay, and let me see if I can give you a couple of T's. You've got to train to do that. You cannot try to do that. Okay, it is about training. Okay, it's not about trying. A lot of us say, hey, we want to walk with God every moment of every day, but we want to try to do that, and that is recipe for failure. And so what you're doing today in Summit, what you're doing this semester, this year, by studying the book of Romans, you're putting training patterns, you're putting disciplines in your life that puts you in God's word, that puts you around other men, okay, that has you meditating, preparing, memorizing. Those are the things that train you for godliness, okay? But you can't try to be godly, you have to train for it. And so what are those things? That's the point of summit, is to help train you. But God does the transformation. You put disciplines and training in your life, and there's a supernatural power that transforms you into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ, so that you can walk moment by moment with him. And so that's step one of how do you be a part of God's church? Right? It's not the Old Testament system of go sacrifice so that I can be right for a little while. 
It's like God wants us to walk moment by moment with him. And this passage right here, it covers a couple of the big questions, or this, the couple of verses covers a couple of the big questions you're going to get. Remember, guys, this is not just about you all being in Summit and doing the study and checking the box that I did it. You're in here because you're part of advancing God's kingdom. You're in here because I want to be able to call every single one of you and say, hey, there is a marriage blowing up in our church. I want to send you in there because you can take the light of the gospel into a really dark situation. So there's a bigger picture than just doing good summit here. right? We want to keep moving. We want to keep putting you in to those places. And so the first part, those first two verses just talk about yieldedness, and it answers the question, we've already talked about what is worship, we know what that is, people ask that question a lot, okay, and the second one is what is God's will, is the second thing it asks. And so there's been hundreds of thousands of books written on the will of God, but I'm going to give you your first answer out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. When somebody asks, so this was great, yesterday, I've got a guy down at Texas A&M that wants to exclusively date my daughter, right? And so one of the things that uh, we talk about is, hey, when that gets kind of to that point, uh, you got to call Big Daddy and we got to have a conversation, right? And so we talked, we had a great conversation, this kid's a stud, but one of the things he asked was, hey, Mr. Kegler, I'm starting to make, make some decisions about career and stuff. What do you, how do you discern God's will? And so I think he was looking for something really profound, um, and, I, and I just kind of said, hey, are you familiar with Romans 12, 1 and 2? He goes, yeah, I am, and I just said, hey, that, that tells you, and he said, it does? I'm like, yeah, and I said, look what it says, right? It says, this is your, so, by re, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What's the answer to that? I'm a living sacrifice, and when I do that, I'm proving what the will of God is. And I just told this guy, I said, I'm going to be careful, I'm going to qualify this, okay? It doesn't matter. Just walk with God whatever you do. That's what God, that's your first answer when somebody tells you what's the will of God. It is to walk with him moment by moment in a yielded relationship. Now, I want to qualify that. There are times when God says and gives specific direction to do take this job, don't take that job. Do move to this city, move. There are times, but the first answer is always, okay? Your job, the will of God is that you walk with him. And so I don't know if I did the right thing coming out of college by going to work for Aetna. Like, I have no idea. Right? But I tell you, it prepared me for a lot of the stuff that I get to do now. And by walking with him faithfully day by day, okay, God eventually got me to the place where I can fully, as best I can, without messing it up, fully utilize my gifts. Okay, so Romans 12, 1 and 2, live in yieldedness. Second part... Uh, of this is Romans 12, 3, and it just says this, and the New American Standard says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, he's about to jump into the fact that all of us, that measure of faith is that all of us have been given gifts, talents, things that we're to use for the sake of his kingdom. But before he even gets there, he says something really interesting. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, 
Okay, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted each a measure of faith. So the J.B. Phillips translation just basically says, or paraphrase I should say, basically says, hey, have a sane estimate of your abilities. So how do we, how do, we do that? Okay, God has given every single one of us, if you're a Christ follower, God has given you a talent, a gift to use for the sake of his kingdom. But we really mess that up, either because we think too highly of ourselves and we take credit. I love, I love to take credit for things that God does. Okay, I like to put myself in there and say, yeah, way to go, Kegler, that was awesome. Right? There are other times in my life when I'm like, I'm gifted to do this, God's empowered me, and yet in my insecurity, I pull back from using the gifts that God has given me. So how do we have sound judgment, a sane estimate about what God has given us? And it's going to get really practical here, guys. And I, I, I'm, I imagine most of us struggle with this. Number one, if you don't know what your gifts are, okay, we can help you figure that out. How many of you, your wives, are wearing you out on Enneagram? Okay, it's good. Um, how many of you are wearing yourself out on Enneagram, right? So there are spiritual gift tests. There's Myers-Briggs. There's Enneagram. There's Strength Finders. There's you name it, there is it, right? But all of those things are helpful, okay, just to help you figure out how you're wired, okay, and what's good. But like I said, sometimes we're too proud about those things and sometimes we're insecure about those things. So how do we have the same estimate that Paul is talking about as he's getting ready to tell us about all of these gifts. And so there's two things that I've done really practically, okay, that have helped me try to live so that I'm not insecure and so that I'm not overly proud. And the first thing that I did was I went to Regen, okay? So if any of you guys ever come ask me, if I'm interviewing for a job, if Wagner fires me today, okay, I'm going to come and you guys, hey, Kyle, you interested in a job? I might, I'm going to hand you two things, I am going to hand you my Regen tree, okay? And so we're going to pop that up there real quick. And so as I went through Regen a couple of years ago, okay, I figured out in a way that I never had before clarity around what my sin ditches are. Where do I run to the fastest? Why do I run to those places? And so I don't know if you can see it, but just look at the, um, one, of the one of my core issues that I, I had a wrong view, an unbiblical view of manhood, right? And so what that leads to in my life on the left side of the tree is poor communication and conflict skills, a lack of tenderness, empathy, and compassion. I have what I call the suck it up syndrome, right? I just look at somebody that's hurt and I'm like, gut it up, dude. Right? It's just part of this hard-heartedness that I have. Uh, and other, just a desperate need for demand and respect. And so one of the things that Regen was incredibly helpful for me is it helped me identify my ditches so that when I want to go to that place of insecurity around my gifts, I remember this and say, okay, this stuff is not true about me. Christ has transformed my life so that I can live in truth and live in the light of this. And so I know some of you have done Regen. Everybody I've talked to said it's really valuable, but it helped me get a handle on, hey, I want to have a sane estimate of who I am and how God's wired me and how to use the gifts that he's given me. So that's one thing I did. So that's the downside. I'm going to walk into an interview. I'm going to hand you that so you know exactly what you're getting, right? Okay, the second thing that I did is I spent some time over the last few years narrowing down just passions 
and gifts. Like, why, why do, what are my gifts? And my gifts are kind of exhortation is one of the things that the scripture would say, shepherding and leading. Those are kind of the three things. Leading's probably number one. Um, Exhortation is probably number two, and shepherding is number three for me, okay? And so what I'm trying to figure out is where have I seen God use me? What are the areas where when I get a chance to talk about these things, I see God at work? And so here's what I just, as I went through this process a couple of years ago, here's kind of what came out is this piece right here. So these are the things that as I talk about these things with people, I see God move. And so when he Whenever I get to talk about, hey, how do you take care of your soul? How do you do? I love to talk about intimacy with Christ and what training and disciplines do you put in your life? What, how do I do ministry through people, not to people? In other words, building teams, giving ministry away, practicing the priesthood of the believer that every single one of you guys, okay, is just as important to the body of Christ as anybody else, as I am. Right, and you guys need to know that. Third thing, intentional family discipleship. I love to talk about how to lead your family. That's super fun for me. God's at work, relax. And so some of us are high control, everything's gotta work. And one of the things that God's done in my life is he's just shown me, hey, God's got this, okay? Doesn't give me permission to be lazy, okay? But it does give me permission to trust deeply in God. And then the last one is, uh, how do you how do you live deep how do you live life deeply with other guys it's just god has given me just incredible friendships and i've just watched and learned from those things and so that so my gifts that exhortation and leading and shepherding when i put those to work in these five five areas that's where i see god do stuff and again i have to be careful i have to go back to my region tree cuz i want to take credit for when some of those good things happen in those areas And it's why I have to be yielded and I have to walk moment by moment because that can happen in a heartbeat. Somebody comes to Christ, I get a chance to lead somebody to Christ or something like that, and I'm like, "Woo! that's all me, baby. That's one of the things that happens when there have been hundreds of people, okay, that have been involved in the process. And so that's really what the second part of this passage is talking about is how do we use our gifts in a sane a sane way. Keller's, we've used the quote here before, but he just says, humility is not thinking um, less about yourself, but thinking about yourself less. It's in a book called The Freedom of self, uh, Self-Forgetfulness. And so I'm just going to read the, in verses 4 through it. I'm just going to read through that as we talk about the gifts real quickly. Uh, but here's what you need to know. I'm about to read out of something called The Message, okay? And it is a paraphrase okay, of this passage. So you need to study your Bible, not in the message, okay? But what I do, I love the message because it gives me new insight, new thinking, and then I take it back to NASB or whatever translation you use. So it's a guy I love and trust, one of my favorite authors of all time, Eugene Peterson, basically took the Bible and said, hey, this is how I'm going to bring this into contemporary, contemporary language. So if you haven't read it, you ought to get it and use it just to bring some life to what, when you're studying. Sometimes the scripture gets a little wooden for me, and so I loved. So here's what it says, talking about your gifts. It says, I'll just read it uh, for here. It says this, make sure. Yep. Yeah, each of us finds our meaning and function. Yeah, yeah, my goodness. Okay, thank you. 
Each of us, I'm just going to read it from here, so we're reading the same thing. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body, but as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we won't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let us just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you, if you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. And so it just talks about, hey, use your giftedness. And I want to tell you guys, it was, I had so much fun this week preparing for Romans 12 because I got to thinking about what if every single guy in Summit and even bigger Every single person in our church fully utilized the God-given gifts that they'd been given. Can you imagine what would happen to our church if we were all using the gifts God given us? Okay, we weren't insecure about them. We weren't proud about them. We just did what God, it would transform Collin County if we did that. And so I just want to tell you, I don't know which way you tend to lean Okay, but if you don't know your gifts, let's get with you and let's figure that out. And if you're, prou if you're proud about them, get in community so they can tell you that. You can get people that are downwind from you and tell you you stink, right? Or if you're insecure about them, some people that can tell you actually, hey, you're gifted here, man. Don't shy away from that. Use your gifts. And the way that we're able to do that healthily is by going back to chapter 12, 1 and 2, by walking with Jesus moment by moment. And so that's the second part, the diversity of gifts. And then the last part, verses 9 through 21, is the design of love. Or I mean, Paul gets more, so sometimes I hear people say, hey, Jesus is sometimes confusing. Yes, you have to do some work on to understand exactly what he meant sometimes. Paul has run on sentences like nobody I've ever seen before, right, in some of his epistles, and you have to work to kind of pull out what he's trying to say. But right here, Paul gets incredibly practical. Okay, and he just says, hey boys, we've talked about what you believe. Now we're telling you how to behave. Walk with me, understand your gifts, and now here's your list. So for you guys that want a list, here's your list. Okay, and so here's what I hope you do with a list. You don't see it as a list. Okay, I hope what you do is when you were studying Romans 12 this week that you grab your cup of coffee and you keep your feet, you kicked your feet up and you put a mirror in front and, and use this as a mirror in front of you. And you went through these one by one. And you said, am I loving without hypocrisy? Am I abhorring what is evil but clinging to what is good? And you just use this as a way to say, how, how am I doing? Okay, and remember, you can't try to do this. You have to train to do this, which you're doing this morning. And so he goes through that list, and he just tells you, this is how 
I want you to live. And so some of you guys in this room, okay, would look up there and say, I'm failing miserably on the list, or I don't understand my gifts, or I'm not living moment by moment, okay, with Christ. I I hope when you get into your small group, you guys just talk through, how am I doing in those things. And I don't know what's keeping you. One of the things that was keeping me from fully utilizing my gifts, and some of you guys know my story, that I had a really big dad wound, right? And so that one of the reasons I went to Regen was to kind of work through that because that hard-heartedness and stuff that we talked about, um, that suck-it-up syndrome came because I cut my dad off and never saw him again after he left our family. And I had to go work through that. Okay, and it helped me utilize and have a sane estimate of my gifts. And so I don't know what it is for you. Okay, I don't know, maybe you don't have men around you that are helping you sharpen, that are really in your life. It may be that you've got some hurt habit or hang up that's keeping you from doing that. I I don't know what it is. But what I would tell you is there are all kinds of options for you to take the next faithful step. One of them you're already doing, which is being right here and sitting around a table. Okay, I know there's some guys in the room that are like, hey, this community thing that Watermark talks about, ooh, it's a little too aggressive for me, right? All we're trying to tell you is we're trying to do what the Scripture says, that you've got to practice the one another's of Scripture in community. That's what we're telling our community groups to do. And so you just say, some of you are not serving around our church, and you think, gosh, I'm not very valuable, or hey, that job's not very important, Okay, that, that's trusting your own mind instead of doing what God says, right? And trusting, okay, hey, God, when I serve, when I use my gifts, it may be I'm just holding babies in red, okay? But God's supernaturally at work because you're being obedient to the commands that he's given you. And so I don't know what your next faithful step is. I hope you talk about it in your small group time today, what it is. But my hope, my prayer for me, for all of you guys, is that we would learn to walk more and more every day, more, a bigger percentage of our day every day would be abiding, remaining, and be a living sacrifice.